Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Good Lion Podcast. This is part two of our conversation about evangelism. Last time, we talked about what it's like to talk to complete strangers about the gospel. And today, we're going to be talking about what it's like to share the gospel with your friends and family, the people that you know the most. It's going to be a great discussion. We hope you enjoy it. We hope it blesses you. So to kick it off, here is my good buddy and co-host of this show, Brian Higgins. It can be really easy, I think, particularly in today's day and age, for people to hear an idea that is different from what they currently hold to and just kind of add it to their catalog of beliefs. Like, I, I know that there have been times where um, I'll be talking with someone and, you know, the gospel will come up and we'll start sharing on, you know, who Jesus is and they'll be fully with me. They'll be like, yeah, that sounds really awesome. Like, I believe that this Jesus is real. I believe that like, this is something true and worth hanging on to. And then as the conversation goes on, it becomes clear that like, they also believe in karma or they also are holding to these different world religions or, or even just more commonly, they're holding to the idea that um, religions and faith, uh, faiths can be really just evaluated on how much you like them more so than, you know, anything really beyond that. Um, so in your conversations at some point you, like you're saying at some point you need to lay it out there. Will you respond to the gospel? But in another way, you also need to kind of help people see, Hey, some of your views might be wrong and you need to let go of some of those views and not just add Jesus to whatever it was you were already believing. Um, do you have any experience in maybe like those kinds of conversations and, and ways you've navigated them before? Yeah. Yeah. No, I would say I do have some experience with that. I think there's kind of two different ways it factors in. Um, one is remember I was talking about conversations, um, kind of that method of just very conversational evangelism, where it's not necessarily coming up and saying, hey, Jesus loves you and walking away. Um, it's not the drive-by method. And then it's not the just go in hot with the gospel, give them the very simple gospel. But it's more of like that strategic, like I'm going to start a conversation with this person and eventually we're going to bring up beliefs and then you're hearing from, from them. Um, so in those circumstances where all of a sudden someone lets me know they're a Buddhist or someone lets me know I've had people tell me they're a Satanist. Um, I've had many people tell me they're an atheist. Um, in those situations, what I don't want to do is as they're telling me about their view, start just, well, you know, that's wrong. And Oh, that that's a fallacy. Like while they're, while they're in the middle mm -hmm. of telling me their side, I don't want to just sit there. I could, I could sit there and just pick apart their worldview as they're telling me that, but that's going to put them on the defense. That's going to make the situation not about me proclaiming the gospel to them, but them feeling like they have to defend their worldview to me. So I listen and then I tell them about my worldview, the gospel. And then in the ensuing conversation, we were able to hash out kind of the differences between the two worldview. And that's where I might start um, picking apart some negative aspects of their worldview. Um, some things that I know are fallacies and just give them that information to kind of further bolster the gospel to them, if that makes sense. Um, 
that's one way. Um, the other way, though, I think, is let's say you go out and you just give someone the gospel. Like when the apostle Peter preaches his sermon in the book of Acts, he's not necessarily picking apart everybody's false worldview. He's just proclaiming the gospel in that moment, right? Wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just kind of declaring this is what's true. Right. Just declaring what is true and then people responded to it. So that is sometimes what's going to happen. Like you might have somebody who is a terrible, let's just say a terrible racist. Like that's just how they were raised. It's ingrained into who they are. The reality is the moment that they give their life to Jesus, that's not going to go away right away. That worldview isn't going to just vanish because the gospel has become a part of them now. And so that's where discipleship comes in. And I think that the goal of any pastor or youth pastor or college pastor or whatever should be to constantly be attacking the false narratives and worldviews that converts of Christ bring into that ministry. Um, And so, yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, in those situations, it happens later on. You know, you could have somebody come to Christ, but still have in them like a place for maybe some kind of new age theology or, or Buddhism or something. Like you might not even know as you're witnessing to somebody that once they've received the gospel, there's still some alternate spiritual aspect of their life. And I don't think that negates salvation at all. I don't think, you know, Jesus isn't like, oh, like just because you um, didn't also renounce every other bad idea that you hold on to, now you can't be saved. I think the simple gospel is you believe in Christ, uh, you believe in what he's done, you ask him, you, you're inviting him into your life to to be Lord. And what that really means is to start becoming Lord, right? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. most most new converts don't even understand fully what that means, like the Lordship of Christ. That's something that takes time and sermons and discipleship to like to really grasp what that means. Is Jesus Lord of my life? I don't think anybody comes to Jesus on day one and just all of a sudden he is the ultimate Lord of that person's life in the sense of they have given up every sin, every vice, every bad idea. Um, that stuff is still there and that takes time for Jesus to root out, if that makes sense. It does and I think that's a really important thing to bring up. I think it's very easy when you're thinking about, should I go evangelize to someone? The fear is if this isn't perfect, then this is completely useless. Yeah. And it creates this false dichotomy of, I have to either talk to this person and make sure that they leave my presence a perfect 100% all in for Jesus, WWJD wearing bracelets. Like they need to be a hundred percent that, or everything we did just didn't matter at all or worse yet, like put them in a bad spot because now they feel like God loves them when he doesn't like sometimes we get (laughs) worried about like where we're leaving people. And it's important to remember the process. You know, it's important to remember sometimes in evangelism, you may not even get a person to out loud confess that they are ready to believe in Jesus but you may push them one conversation closer to that. And that's still progress. And that's still success. That's still a good thing. Right. Yeah. And I think you raise a good point that God's love for us is not contingent on our ability to have perfect theology. Because I know for a fact that my theology is probably not perfect. (laughs) 
in the sense of like, I don't have everything about God figured out. And there's probably some things like some minor points that I believe that maybe I'm wrong on. Maybe another denomination is actually more right than me or some other theologian is more right. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not this idea of once you get saved, you've got it down perfectly and you're able to just you know, say it back to somebody else perfectly. I think a lot of people who come to Jesus have a very childlike faith in the sense of Mm -hmm. they don't have it at all figured out. But what they do know is that Jesus loves them and he's reached their hearts. And that's what matters. That's so good. Thanks, man. I want to take a bit of a turn towards um, everything we've been talking about thus far has been really focused on what I guess we could call like stranger evangelism Mm. of you find a person you don't know and you say, hey, let's have a conversation and I'm going to tell you about Jesus in it. Right. I don't think I, I guess I should say this is probably what we think of first when we think about evangelism. Mm-hmm. But this is definitely not the way that I think is more lived out by people. I think what most people end up really going for um, normally gets coined friendship evangelism. Yeah, relational evangelism. Yeah, yeah. Anything that kind of speaks to the idea of this won't just be a one conversation encounter, but rather I'm going to build and invest in a relationship that will then eventually lead to me sharing the gospel. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a essential one. And I'll I'll tell you how essential it is by this anecdote. That's a true story that I read one time in a Christian magazine. But because uh, I don't read secular magazines, Brian, I don't do it. You know, because you're a believer. I'm a believer, so I just mm-hmm. I just read. Yeah, I just read Jesus Magazine. I don't know Jesus that, Weekly, Jesus Weekly, Jesus Monthly, Jesus Yearly. That's a good one. Jesus Quarterly is just like oh. right uh, the perfect amount of time for Jesus. What? Really, like, just gives him time to really like work through those articles and get them get them yeah. good. There you go. Um, but yeah, so this is just a simple story. There was um, a lady sitting next to her coworker, and she felt like, man, I should share the gospel with her. And she thinks this for years, you know, like 10 years. She's working next to the same person in her office, and um, she never does. She, she just never works up the nerve to, to share the gospel. What she doesn't know is the person next to her is also a Christian, and for 10 years, she was thinking the same thing. And I mean, what a what a great friendship these two people could have had, you know, realizing they had this connection in their workplace. They both followed Christ, um, but they never got there. And so many people are in that boat where they're just afraid, like to even go there relationally. And uh, it's it's tough because it does it can bring an awkwardness into a friendship. Um, like and and just just from the other side of things, you know, if if I had a really good friend and then all of a sudden I found out they were a part of like a multi-level marketing thing where they're trying to sell me their essential oils <laughs> all the time, that would change the dynamic in the friendship a little bit, you know, that it might make me not want to hang out with that person as much. Or, you know, if I find out this person is a Jehovah's Witness or something, for me as a Christian, like, I'm still going to love that person, but I'm also going to be like, oh man, are they going to try to convert me to their weird religion? So I, I can understand from even as a Christian how the dynamic can change when you as a Christian try to do relational evangelism. And I think that's where, when when I listen to people that are really focused on evangelism, 
they almost talk about friendship evangelism like it's a crutch or like it's the for lack of a better term the coward's way out like I, I hear a lot of things that are very negative on this idea of friendship evangelism which to me seems strange because mm. if you can build a relationship then won't it just make your evangelism more effective but they normally point to stories like what you just pointed out um this idea of well i'll just be a good friend to them can keep you silent about the gospel for years and years on end yeah yeah it's it can be hard i feel like um i i personally i i have i feel like i have not done the best in this area um primarily because and i don't know if you feel this way but i Grew up in a huge Christian bubble, went to a private Christian school, was constantly around other Christians, and as an adult, jumped into youth ministry right away. So I was constantly surrounded by Christians. And even now, like my social group is my church and my community group at my church. So I am not really hanging out a ton with people who are non-Christians. So yeah, this is the part of the episode where I, I mean, as much as I wasn't an expert in the previous topic, I am definitely not an expert on this. I know it's important. I just can't say I have it fully figured out yet. Yeah, at this stage of life, I feel like I'm in a pretty similar position to where you were, uh, where you are, not where you were. Yeah. But it's also where you were, and now it's still where you are. Um, yes. That's how verb tenses work. <laughs> um, but before I really got into ministry, my entire education... Um, it was all public schools all the way through high school. I went to, you know, our area's community college, and then I went to the closest state school. So in in that time frame of life, I felt like I was definitely surrounded by more um, more non-believers. And, and there were definitely, like, real friendships that were born out of that, right. particularly thinking back to high school. Like, there were real meaningful friendships that I had with people that were not following Jesus, that knew that I was following Jesus. Um, How did they know? I mean, I would talk about the fact that I was going to youth group. Yeah. Um, hmm. They they would ask questions. I, I know, so like, I bring up that whole fear slowing down friendship evangelism because I know that's what happened to me. Yeah. And I would bring up, it, it was way safer for me to just kind of like keep dropping in there like the fact that I was going to church or the fact that I went to youth group or I would just tell like a funny story that happened and they would ask oh who did that happen with and just being honest it would be like oh these are a couple of my friends that are at the youth group that I attend right you know things would come up that way and and that almost made me think just because I mentioned the fact I'm going to church that means I'm evangelizing yeah. And and it created this safe gap where I could just kind of throw it out there. And if you're interested, you'll ask me more about this, but I don't have to just kind of like jump right in. And, and it almost the way that you're talking about, once you bring that up, you change the dynamic of the relationship. It was easy for me to kind of throw out there like, hey, I have this relationship dynamic changing thing in my life if you ask me about it. And then like they had to be the one <laughs> yeah. to kind of like ask for that change. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. I So I feel like it's in my experience because I downplay it, but I have had some relational evangelism in my life when I think about it. And I think there's kind of two levels. Like one is being like just in tune with the Holy Spirit. Like, what do you want me to do in this situation with this group of friends? What do you want me to do? There have been times where I specifically felt like with a friend back 
when I was younger in school where God was telling me, you need to just talk to this person about Jesus because they really need to hear about it. And that is scary to, to, to do that, to just drop that new information, that new dynamic into a relationship. But in my experience, a lot of times it is what people need to hear. And if they're really your friend, like even though they're learning this new thing about you and this new thing that really defines your life and who you are, um, they're either going to receive it and be stoked on it or they're going to be aware now of who you are in that way. And I think that opens up a door. And that's that brings me to kind of my next thing. Relational evangelism a lot of times is about the long game. And um, here's what I will say. Even though I don't necessarily have a lot of non-Christian friends, what I do have is a lot of friends that I went to school with or even people I went to Bible college with who once were super on fire Christians and now are in this place where they're kind of agnostic. Maybe they've lost their faith. Maybe they're just fed up with institutionalized church and religion and they're just kind of like, man, I don't know what to do with my faith anymore. And and in those relationships, I found that um, that's a great place to do relational evangelism. And a lot of times what that looks like is just being their friend, like just listening to them vent their frustrations about the ways that they feel like Christianity failed them or the church failed them or the problems with the world and just really listening and not trying to not trying to just give them a Bible verse for everything. Well, in this verse, it says this, and in that verse, it says that. That's a huge turnoff to a lot of people, but it's it's being strategic. And I don't mean like it can, I feel like if one of my friends who is in that boat would be listening to this podcast, they might think like strategic, like that's weird. Like, what are you trying to do? Um, but in, in my mind, it's like if you have the cure for cancer, you want to give that to people. It, it really does. It comes out of love. It comes out of like, I love this person and I want to see them in a full relationship with God. Like that's, that's my goal. And I don't, I'm not ashamed of that goal at all. I think that's a good goal. So it really does come out of love and it's a lot of listening and then just strategically as the Holy Spirit leads, speaking truth gently into their life. And, um, I've seen some really positive things over the last 10 years with people that have walked away. Um, I even, I was a part of a Facebook group at one point with a ton of people that I used to know from an online message board, which is kind of nerdy, but they were my friends. We all were a part of this Christian message board back in the early 2000s that focused on um, Adventures in Odyssey, which was like, you know, do you know Adventures in Odyssey, Brian? I do know Adventures in Odyssey. John I think Avery you Whitaker. mentioned... I don't know if you mentioned this board just to me personally or if this has come up in the podcast before. It might have come up. But but basically, we were all Christians at one point, but most of them have walked away. And I'm I'm the one guy in the group, I think, who kind of is still, or maybe there's a few others, but, you know, they know I'm a pastor. And I am not in there blasting their views and blasting their political stuff. Like, I, I'm not in there trying to be this hyper-religious Christian person. I'm just trying to be their friend. But what I found is, at times, I've gotten private messages from these guys who are like, hey, I don't know any other Christians who, like most Christians are making fun of me or like blasting my views and calling me a sinner, but you're different. Can we talk? And that's a huge part of relational evangelism, I think, is just being the Christian in their life that is not judging them but being their friend. And that a lot of times opened the doors to those conversations. Yeah, I love that whole thinking through if you're going to, if we're going to call this friendship evangelism, then it has, has to look like friendship. And yeah. 
you know, for so many people, even thinking about Jesus's time as he walked the earth, he was, you know, known by the religious group. They were looking down on him when they said this, but he was called the friend of sinners. Yeah. You know, and so to be, to be in the position where you're going to be ready to influence someone towards believing the gospel, particularly if in those situations, like you were bringing up, there's so much baggage and there's so much to kind of unpack in a person's life. If they've grown up in church and they feel like they've seen a bad example of it and it's all led them to this generally confused place. You know, I think one of the things that we can kind of undersell is that people who walk away from the faith go through a much longer time of being confused about the faith than we give them credit for. Mm, And so we kind of just hear in a moment that they're giving up on their faith. And we think like, man, did you just like wake up this morning and make the worst decision? Like it's easy for us to kind of feel that because for us, it can be that sudden. Whereas for them, it may have been years and years and years of confusion and not understanding and not really being sure where they fit in the circle that they were first brought into. Um, and, and so giving them the space at times to just not focus on that yeah. and to just feel comfortable and accepted in a space goes a really long way. And then giving them the ability to go and come to you and ask those questions and say, Hey, here, can we just talk about some of the places I'm still confused? Cause um, you know that if they're coming to you, it's because they've been processing it for a very long time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's crazy that you mentioned that because um, there's a guy, a couple guys. Are, are you familiar? Are you familiar with? Um, are you familiar with Rhett and Link? Um, by name, and I can recognize their faces, but I don't think I've watched more than like five of their videos. Well, they're huge with young people. Did they once do a one where they explode a watermelon with rubber bands? Probably, yeah. They're, okay, because I think I saw that one. Yeah, they're this musical comedy duo, huge with young people. Just um, my youth group kids, when we were doing youth ministry, they just love them. I love them. They have the show called Good Mythical Morning. And I always knew that they had a Christian background. So in the back of my mind, even though they're not talking about Jesus on their show, I you know was like, oh, it's cool, these two Christian guys. And they just this week dropped uh, two podcast episodes where they go through why they're not Christians anymore and why... You know, six years ago, they stopped following Jesus, and they they go through, like, uh, the first episode I was listening to yesterday by Rhett, um, he just goes through, like, a, a story of, like, a 10-year period of deconstruction and doubts and questions, and what he said was, like, a lot of people, he, he says, I remember how it was when I was a Christian, if somebody left the faith, I would, I judged them. And I said, oh, they probably just never believed in the first place or man, like they're just trying to be cool. They're just trying to be like the world. But he's trying, he's explaining like what I had with Jesus was so real to me. And when he's telling his story of his doubts and his deconstruction, it was so heartbreaking to listen to because it was like at every point of doubt, he reached this place of like, God, I hate this doubt and I don't want to have it. And it's so frustrating because I love you, but but now I can't believe this thing about you. And and he goes through that like seven different times. It's like these seven layers. And every time he's like, Jesus, I still love you. And I still want to hang on to this relationship, even though I'm struggling with this thing or that thing. And it was just heartbreaking to listen to. And it made me think of how many people go through that, where we can look at them and just think like, oh, they lost their faith. Like, psh, man, like man, they just, they weren't strong enough. They weren't you know, intelligent enough to hold on to the gospel. They got swept away by the cares of the world. They're, they're weak. 
But in reality, we don't realize the the turmoil that somebody goes through in that process of losing their faith. And to me, that just makes me want to to show them compassion and to be the kind of person that can not judge them, but listen to them in the hope that maybe something out of our conversation might point them back to the truth. Yeah, that's so, so true. I mean, thinking, I can imagine people that are very disconnected from from these guys just kind of saying like, oh, see what happens when you get famous? Like, it's see all, what happens it's when... It's all in the YouTube comments. That's what tons of people are saying. Yeah, I'm sure it is. And, and that reaction is what's going to create the next Retin link. Yeah. Because the next the, the group of people that are going to tell us in three years that they've lost their faith are doubting it right now. Mm. And they're looking at those comments and they're saying, yep, I'm making the right decision by not telling anyone I'm dealing with this doubt right now. Man. Because that's what I would be facing. And, and so it's true. crazy sad. So thinking then, it, it, we obviously want to bring something different to the table. We want to yeah. not pile onto that reaction we want to practically love people and, and mm-hmm. we need to love them at times before they're ready to hear us talk to them. Yeah. Um, we've talked about listening to them. We've talked about, you know, not being the Christian who's judging them beyond that. Are there more kind of practical ways that we can look at than say like people need this kind of love before they might be ready to hear us talk? Um, oh man, I don't know if this is a good answer to that question, but just something that came to mind, I would say, from what you just said, would be if you want to be a good evangelist, whether that's out on the streets or relationally or both would be the correct desire to have. Um, know your stuff. Um, there's that verse, you know, I think where Peter says, um, study so that you can show yourself approved and have an answer for any question anyone gives you. I'm paraphrasing. Is that is that good? I'm a terrible, yeah. I'm terrible at knowing references. Um but, yeah, uh, be ready to give a, a defense for the faith that's in you. That's uh, right. First Peter three fifteen. Yeah, we live in a world with millions of worldviews, and so many of them are anti Christ. <laughs> they're anti gospel, and they're it's the gospel of self and sin and and just and and pleasure and re- and really it's it all comes from one source. It's the enemy. He's the one coming up with all these alternative gospels. But that is what people are being fed on a daily basis, whether it's through social media or TV or the news, everyone's getting their worldviews from something other than Jesus. And so I would just encourage you study, like read books and watch YouTube videos from great thinkers and listen to podcasts and just continue to fill yourself up with that stuff. Not so that you can be ready to destroy people in, in your conversations. And that's not, that's a turnoff. Like no one's going to want to, no one's going to feel loved um, by your intellectual superiority or your your perceived intellectual superiority. Um, but if we at least know what we're talking about um, and, it, and, and also study other worldviews, study other religions, learn what they believe. Like it would be good if you live in a town that has a lot of Muslims in it, it would be really good for you to be able to say what the Muslim faith is in five sentences. If you live in a town that's full of Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons, it would be really good for you to be able to recite to them what their beliefs are in a way that's not offensive to them, to understand what they believe. Because if you're in a conversation with somebody with this worldview and you have no idea what it is, um, and if you're just giving them you know, your side of the things without really caring about what they believe, it, it's not going to go as far. So I would just say, 
Um, a part of being a Christian, I think, is studying these things so that we can have these conversations. And again, like just walking up to someone and saying, Jesus loves you, can that save somebody? Absolutely, because it's not really us, it's the Holy Spirit. Like he's powerful enough to save anybody with a drive-by, Jesus loves you. Um, but I still think that uh, it is so important for us to study and know things because God often is calling us into much deeper conversational waters than that. Yeah, that's that's so, so important. I would just add to that list, uh, having grown up in a very Catholic area, um, New Jersey, mm-hmm. I believe, is about 40, like 40 to 42 percent Catholic. It's it's pretty, pretty much the the main thing you'll see when you run into people. Um, mm-hmm. So our our elementary school was full of kids that were going to CCD and, you know, doing all the different classes that they had to do to get ready for confirmation and things like that. Um, one of the things that was really helpful was understanding even the differences between what the Catholic faith taught in proper mm-hmm. and what the Catholic people around me actually believed and what they really lived like. And, and there were differences between those two things, the same way that in every region of the country, there is, you know, proper English. And then there's the way that we speak English in, in our particular regions. Um, you know, it, it, not that one is right and the other is wrong, but you, you got to be able to know what the people actually around you are thinking about what they believe and, and things along those lines. And, and also one of the things that um, in, in relation, relational evangelism, one of the things that was crazy helpful was trying to show people that I wasn't thinking the bad things they thought church people were thinking about them, about them. Yeah. So, so even like, that's really good. That's so good. So like a news story would come up. Um, I don't know who, who do I want to rag on a little bit? Um, like a natural disaster would happen and then Mm -hmm. Jerry Falwell would come out and be like, do you see what the gays did again? Like he, he'd do his whole thing. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it, it's gross. Like for, it, for anybody listening who doesn't know what we're talking about. So Jerry Falwell um, and some other guys like him, basically there, there's been this thing on some of the televangelists where they've said, the reason we have hurricanes is because the town that got hit had a lot more gay people in it. And so it's God's judgment on that town which I just think is ridiculous because any place there's a natural disaster, sure, you've got gay people, but you've also got straight people committing adultery and looking at pornography. Pornography uh, records are off the chart in so many of these places. It's, it's, we can't just pin it on one sin. And, and, and whether or not natural disasters are God punishing uh, people for sin or just a product of a fallen world is a topic for a whole nother episode. Anyway, yeah. Back to you, Brian. And, and, and real, <laughs> no, that, that's a helpful side note. And real quick, um, there's a moment when Jesus is asked by his disciples about like a tower that fell and they're like, is it because they were sinful? And he's like, no, nah, they're not sinners more than anybody else. And then he just kind of kept going on to the other things that he wanted to talk about, which I would which love to it me. If, yeah, I would love it if he he responded with uh, yeah, not really. Actually, if anyone's to blame, it'd be the engineers who built that tower. <laughs> yeah, He just, just gets like really up. technical with yeah. it. Um, I would love that. Anyway. I just love in reading his answer. It feels like he's sidestepping the question and it's just like, nah, come on, re- relax, yeah. Pete. Like it's okay. Because as humans, we want to scapegoat. We want to, if, if our town burns down, we want to be able to, to look at, you know, the town prostitute and say, oh, it's her fault. When really yeah. uh, we've got our own sin and pride and hidden things behind the scenes. So, and we just have a broken world and y- right. yes, this is what, definitely what, a tangent, but what were you talking about before? What I was bringing up was 
people who aren't believers, they what they hear about the church is the crazy stuff like that. Mm. They hear about a Jerry Falwell, you know, blaming gay people for Hurricane Katrina. They hear about these famous leaders or influencers who are Christians stepping away from their faith. They hear about, um, you know, some crazy video seems to go around once a year of just some ridiculous preacher, like saying the, the silliest things or, um, all this different stuff. They, they hear these things that make people believe Christians are narrow minded. Christians are judgmental. Yeah. Christians are, um, against the welfare of people if it gets in the way of the welfare of their church. Yeah. Um, they believe all of these different things about the church. Yep. And one of the most helpful things in getting people to move past that and actually talk about the gospel with me was being willing to admit like, yeah, I think that guy's crazy too. <laughs> so like they yeah. they bring up like the Jerry Falwell quote and be like, oh, like do you, do you believe that he would say that? Like, that's a ridiculous thing. I'm like, yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, why would yep. you do that? And they're yeah, like, wait, like you're, you're a Christian. You're supposed to be on his team. I'm like, yeah, but that's just like absolutely absurd and has nothing to do yeah. with Jesus. And then yep. it helps them kind of break the link between like the same way that if this will be like a weird example, but like, we don't look at Arnold Schwarzenegger and say that if he does something that is representative of all of Austria. <laughs> like, we just don't do that. Like, yeah. he has a what is now a very public falling out with his wife. And we don't look at Austrians and be like, mm. you can't trust those guys. Like, no. you, you just can't. Like, They're we don't do that. They're all a bunch of bodybuilding, just bad husbands exactly like we don't make that link and yet whenever anybody goes out and represents christ they become tied to oh so this is what christians really are right and so it's important to help people break that link and sometimes you do that by being willing to admit with them yeah sometimes christians are just doing dumb stuff and i don't like it either yeah no i mean i i couldn't agree more when i was in ireland um, I was doing street evangelism in Ireland, and one of the things I got asked by English and Irish people was, oh, you're an American Christian, so you're a huge Trump guy, right? And I was just like, I don't have anything to say to you about that guy. Like, can we not talk about him? Like, I just, please, like, I, I do not want to even get into that. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk to you about Jesus. Like, he is my my king and my ruler. That's that's where my authority comes from. I I don't get my authority from Donald Trump, you know. Um, so yeah, but you need to help people disconnect. You know, yeah. Conservative Republicans get looked at as they're the ones deciding for the church what Christianity is all about, right? And and when we can break those links, and, and not even just politically, but culturally, and you know, yeah. socially, and and in all these different ways, breaking those links really, really matters. Yeah, that's that's a that's a whole series you and I are starting to work on. The, that the it third, is the third way. Hmm. We'll the just throw that God out there. Is not, uh, it's not left. It's not right. It's something different. So, um, and you know what? I want to circle back to to what you said about the whole Catholic thing. That's a really good point in this conversation because the reality is in the Catholic Church. I would say I always I, did. You always grow up. I feel like you probably did. Like me. Did you grow up in Calvary Chapel? Kind of hearing like 
uh, Catholics aren't Christians? I did, yeah. I, I first started going to a Calvary Chapel when I was in like first or second grade. Right. Um, so I, I say that I grew up in it. I had been to other churches before that, but um, no church right. experience was real to me until Calvary. It was just a thing my family did. Right. Um, and it was like a Baptist church that we were part of. Like we didn't come out of Catholicism right, right. into um, Calvary Chapel. But yeah, I, I remember... Yes being told that Catholicism was a a false version of Christianity. A cult. It, yeah, some people would call it a cult. And, right. and the thought was, um, if people were going to the Catholic Church, they were just trying to earn their way towards heaven. Right. And so they not, weren't not really trusting Christians. in grace. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I heard that as well, too, a lot. And in my experience, I've met so many Catholics who are radical followers of Jesus. Do I think that some of their theological side tangents are kind of weird and wonky and not actually supported by scripture? Absolutely. But I have, I'm just trying to say I have met Catholics who are Christians, but there are a giant number of Catholics that are Catholic in name only, in the yes. sense of they are just a part of a family religion they go to mass to make their grandma happy. That's actually, uh, I read a secular article about uh, religion in Ireland. Um, Ireland's becoming one of the least Christian countries in the world. And um, there are so many people where Catholicism is just a cultural thing. So being a Catholic, it's just a part of your family. That it's There's no actual belief with it. Um, so like what you're saying, like understanding Catholicism so that you can witness to somebody who is not a Christ follower in Catholicism to try to bring them to that place of understanding their true need for relationship is huge. Um, and it's the same out here in the Bible Belt where I live in Oklahoma. Um, I, I actually, when I first moved here, I tried doing street evangelism. Pretty much everyone I talked to was like, Oh, that's so sweet. You got, you should come down to my church. We're having a potluck. Like everybody <laughs> that I talk to uh, out here uh, says they're a Christian. But um, I read a really good book called The Unsaved Christian that was all about kind of Midwest Bible Belt Christianity. And it was just pointing out the reality that so many people um, who go to our churches really don't have a relationship with Jesus. And it's just tradition. It's just family, much like the Catholics. You know, it's it's Catholics, it's Southern Baptist. It's it's a lot of different people who are in that boat. Even Calvary chapels, there's people out there mm -hmm. sitting, sitting in the pews because they are trying to make their parents happy when they don't really know who Jesus is. And so that's why it's important for us to understand where they're coming from and be able to point out what they're missing and what they're lacking not in a rude way but just in a like hey because i love you i want you to understand like yeah you're going to church but you like do you know jesus are you walking with him that's what that's what the whole church thing is all about so let's start trying to wrap this up um Hopefully, if you're listening to this, this has reminded you that evangelism is important, that evangelism is a key part of what God wants to do in the world, and that God doesn't need to just equip a bunch of pastors to go out and do this work. He wants to equip every one of his believers, uh, every one of his followers to go out and do this kind of work. You may not feel like you are the gifted one for this, but God will equip you and he wants to equip you. Hopefully you're in that place. So maybe this has been very motivating. Um, it's been, okay, I got to start doing something different. And now you're thinking, what am I going to do? What are Aaron, what do you think are a couple like 
easy first step goals that people can start setting for themselves to at least begin putting this into action. We, we know that people aren't going to go from, you know, sitting on the couch, binging Netflix every night because they're afraid of talking to people about the gospel to Billy Graham overnight. We know that's not going to happen. So where can we start? Yeah, I think it needs to start with the heart. And I know that's cheesy and it rhymes, but it's true. Um, So if you just kind of have like a vague sense of evangelism is important, the odds of you going out and doing it are going to be pretty low. So you've got to get the desire for it in your heart. And that starts with prayer. Like I firmly believe that one of the chief purposes of prayer is not asking God to do things like he's a genie, but it's more about aligning our hearts with God and what he's already doing and what he wants us to be a part of. And so just start praying. Like if you've listened to this and you feel inspired and you want to be involved in the the chief function of the Christian or, or one of the chief functions, um, reaching the world with the Great Commission, like reaching the world with the gospel, being involved with the redemption of humanity, um, which is something we don't even deserve to be involved with, but God has let us do it. Um, just start praying and saying, God, I really want to be a witness. I want to be a witness to my family. I want to be a witness to my friends. I want to be a witness to even strangers. Like, please give me opportunities. And just make that a part of your regular prayer rhythm. Like asking God for opportunities, asking God to reveal to you opportunities and to give you the courage to step into them. I mean, that's the way it worked for me. Like, it wasn't just like I read the book of Acts and said, I'm going to go out and change the world. The whole time I was nervous. I was scared. I still get scared when I go out and do it. But the times that I go out and I'm praying and asking God to align my heart with his, those are the times that are usually like the best times of evangelism. So be praying. And then um, the next thing I would do is once you feel like you've been praying and God has just given you a heart for it and your heart's aligned with his, um, then start thinking about two things. One, so yeah, like like your buddy Joey Rosek says, right? Think about your sphere of influence. That was well said. Thank you. Um, and uh, just think about who in your life needs Jesus. Like who in your life needs encouragement? Even people you know who are Christians. Like Christians still need to be evangelized to. Christians still need to hear the gospel. Christians still need to be preached to. There's a lot of people going to church, but they're not having anyone speak into their life. So just think about who are the people in your life who need to hear the gospel, or maybe they're Christians and they need encouragement, they need direction. Pray for them and then ask the Holy Spirit to show you when to speak into their life. And then if you want to get crazy and talk to people on the streets, (laughs) the next time you're on the streets, just start praying and saying, God, if there's somebody out here, uh, please show me. And sometimes you'll pray and you won't end up talking to anybody, but other times you will. And it'll be scary, but it'll also be great. Yeah, I think starting small and starting in prayer are really, really important. I would also encourage you don't start alone. Um, It is really easy to have good intentions by yourself and then not follow through on them. And I know that thinking about the story um, where the student reminded you of going back and talking to that surfer, I know I have plenty of stories where I have been the one to just kind of like let a person walk by or bail on a conversation. And it's only been because somebody else was around and they're like, yeah, so like, so like that was sin, right? Like that was you like not doing what God wanted you to do. Having another presence like that has been very helpful 
in keeping me moving towards the things that I'm, I'm motivated towards, you know, mm-hmm. that it, it's not about, you know, we want to live a life where we evangelize out of shame, but we do oh, yeah. want to be in a place where if, if we're willing to say, I am actually committed to doing something about this, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to really live differently because I want to be part of God's mission of renewing all things through the work of Jesus then having someone who's going to kind of hold your feet to the fire a little bit is going to be good for you because they're going to keep you on track and they're going to keep you moving towards what you are saying is important to you. Mm, that's really good. It's awesome. I, to- I could not agree more. Well, good stuff, man. Aaron, thanks for sharing yeah. your experience and being open about it. Um, yeah, it's man. not always the easiest thing to go back and look at the moments where you feel like you've messed up, but uh, it's cool yeah. to see that you have that perspective of, hey, I can mess up all I want, but it, if God is working through it and redeeming it, then you know, praise God for it. Yeah, dude, I'm so stoked. I, I, I thought your questions were great, and I feel like I'm, I'm just, I'm so happy that we, we started this show and that we've been doing this show and that we can use it as an outlet to talk about the things that we're most passionate about. And, um, yeah, I, I, you've known cause I've come and I've spoken at camps that you've led. And this is one of the topics that I always speak about at camps. And so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we were able to have this conversation and, uh, I'm just super, I'm super blessed that I've been able to share these perspectives. Cause I really think this is important for the church and for mm-hmm. Christians. And so, yeah, thanks again, man, for the questions. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful that Um, These conversations aren't just happening uh, in a vacuum, but that they're going out and and helping people. If you are being helped by it, um, please let us know. That just feels really good. And we'd love to be able to talk with you a little bit more. If maybe, you know, I asked the questions that were on my mind, but maybe there are more questions that are on your mind. Um, You can just message us at uh, on probably Instagram would be the best way to do it. Instagram is right? yeah. great. Yeah. At goodlion.io. Um, if you message us there, we will see it. And one of us will definitely respond to it. Probably Aaron. Cause he's way better at social media than I am. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, we also have a contact form on our uh, website, goodlion.io. Um, and we actually just got our first message off of that the other day. Somebody wrote in. Did we really? Yeah. I'll, I'll, for, oh, I'll forward yes. you the email. But it was, it was a really nice email from a girl who was really blessed by one of the podcasts on the network. So Aww. that made me stoked. And um, Thanks, first writer. Yeah. I can't remember her name. I think it was like Diane or something. We'll edit it in later. It'll be fine. Uh, Don't edit this. Make sure that I say in the final podcast, we'll edit that in later. Okay. I won't edit that. And we'll make sure that I also say that I won't edit that. Perfect. We'll just continue down the inception hole of the things that we're not going to edit out. So, Um, yeah. And also we have an email address. It's uh, at, uh, or not at, it's goodlionnetwork at gmail.com. We seriously, like, we love doing this. It's so nice to hear from people that it's blessing them and it's affecting them. So, um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we're going to keep making episodes. I think uh, this is going to probably wrap up season two of this podcast. And uh, you and I will start kind of thinking through what season three is going to look like. So, yeah. We have some fun ideas. I'm looking forward to it. 